Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. Today, I'm not with Mark, but I'm with the next best thing. I'm with Kurt Philipp from Convertica. What I liked about Kurt is that he really has an interesting angle for to talk to affiliate site owners. He's really he realized that the whole market did zero conversion rate optimization, and that that was really interesting. And instead of just hyping it up, he just came to me and he was like, "Let me show you." And so he actually did some work on health ambition for like about six months and and actually got us some results. We've posted the results on the blog post that he has released recently on the blog. At the time we at which recording is not published, but it should be published when you're. When it's live, so when you will be able to find it on the blog, and yeah, that was really interesting. It took us some time to roll the winning tables, but they are rolling out now, cut. So you won't hate us for that because it took us a while. This all happened before the August update as well. So yeah, health submission has been going down a bit, but everything that we're going to talk about right now is before that happened. And so, Kurt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on, man. Cool. Can you just tell us a little bit about you and about what you guys do at Convertica? Yeah, sure, man. I mean, I've been in the SEO circles since the early 2000s. I've actually been an SEO and sort of like around 2008, 2009, I really started to get into SEO consulting and then sort of pivoted into full-time affiliate SEO sort of around 2013, 2014 when I moved out to Chiang Mai and met a lot of the guys out here. In that time, I was doing a lot of CRO at the time on my own sites and I was getting much higher revenues to the amount of traffic that some of my competition were getting. And I knew a lot of the guys in the same space. So I started to clue on that there was a, a massive hole in the market for, for conversion and optimization. And having done CRO on my own sites, I wasn't just sort of building a system to work for clients. I'd been doing it for ages and then decided to then pivot into doing it for, for clients. So at the start of last year, I started up a CRO guy and it just blew up instantly as soon as I created that service. And then just due to the momentum that we sort of built behind that, we rebranded under Convertica just to attract bigger bigger agencies and bigger brands. And it's exactly what happened. And then 2018, we've worked with, I don't know the exact number, but it'll be over 300 websites in primarily affiliate and lead gen. Cool. How big are the sites you work with usually? Like just to get an idea and people be like, you know, there was in the range or it's too early or something like this. Because we have a monthly retainer when we work with clients, we like to, our minimums are sort of 5,000. We like to, we don't really like to work with sites that do less than 5,000 visitors per page per month, not total site, but per page because um, we have to run split tests individually on each page. And then the sort of revenues we work with with clients is sort of 20,000. Let's say 10,000 on the very minimum side per month affiliate site. So we work with a lot of big brands work with a lot of big guys doing 100k plus a month sort of thing and a lot of guys even bigger than that the main thing with cro is we need traffic what would you say like when should someone start considering cro when they have an affiliate site i wouldn't say at the beginning right um, i think i think understanding the foundation so that when you design your site from the start it's optimized we did start offering a service where we do like an audit package where we go through and audit client sites when they're brand new the issue was it was really hard to communicate the increases to the client if they had no sales already so we stopped offering that but essentially if you have a brand new site understanding the fundamentals you know having nice clear comparison tables having the right products in your comparison tables having everything showing properly on mobile 
some of my business partners recently picked up a couple of sites off Empire Flippers that it was just easy wins for them because the, the call to action buttons didn't even show on mobile and just things like that. Just just sort of common sense baseline stuff, which we've released um, quite a few blog posts around sort of baseline stuff. So, When you say pick the right products, what do you mean by that? So for instance, I just, I just did a presentation at the Chiang Mai SEO conference on this topic and understanding... I use the example best smartwatches 2018. When a buyer comes in on that keyword, it's not just one demographic. There's four or five different user groups coming in on best smartwatches 2018. There's some people that are sporty and they want sportier watches. There's some people that want a sort of premium high-end, maybe a brand name. There's some people that want a cheap and economical product. And understanding the different user demographics within your keyword is super important for conversions because if someone can identify, oh, that's me, I'm into, you know, I'm sporty and they can see that and they can see you've actually gone through and reviewed the product and actually taken time instead of just copying whatever your competition is doing, which most people do, the conversions, you know, we're not talking 10 or 20% increases. We're talking 50 to 100% increases when you set it up correctly. So Yeah, it's something we've changed in our templates, actually. We used to just, you know, put like a, a list of five products and they were just like, you know, one to five, but we were like, who's going to buy number four? You know, nobody cares about yeah, what's, number four. Exactly. Why did you put it as number four? People are savvy these days, you know, people are switched on when it comes to, when it comes to buying online. So they don't want to feel like you're blindsiding them or, or trying to just, you've got the number one product for your commission, you know, the most expensive product at number one because you get the biggest payout. People clue on to that pretty quickly. So, Yeah, that's why the, 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 the angle for each product is quite interesting. You can just say, oh, if you're a girl, pick this one. If you are overweight or whatever, pick that. Or whatever people need, like there's always the best for that situation. I kind of changed keyword research a bit as well because we used mm -hmm. to create a lot of like pages for these sub cases mm -hmm. and that allows us to kind of like put these pages together and reduce cannibalization in terms of SEO as well. So it's quite interesting that exactly. this yeah. content template also can make you create less content, have as much traffic, especially if you address each sub use inside your content and then mm -hmm. your tables just do the job at directing people to the right products. So it's quite interesting. Exactly. I wanted to ask you, what percentage of athlete size do you think do CRO? At the conference, I asked this question. I, I asked, I get everyone to put their hand up who does CRO on their sites. And there was maybe 10% of the audience, maybe 5% of the audience, 5% to 10%, somewhere in there. But that's actually like guys who are in deep in the in the community that follow uh, like along with all the the guys that teach this stuff whereas as a whole i reckon it's less than five percent of people actually do CRO. they've just copied pretty they've, they've all done the same course they've all done authority hacker pro or they've all done you know they've all done something and they've all got the same looking sites and they every page looks the same and every page is the same layout which is fine i mean they, they're creating revenue but I, i think a lot of people become complacent because they are making 10 15k a month semi-passively and they don't have to worry about it but the thing is they could be making 20 or 25 from the exact same traffic and of course that's a lot more net net profit so Yeah, I know. It's like in your blog post, I actually wanted to do that graph, you know, where, you know, two businesses start at $1,000 a month. And what happens if one of them only grows 10% traffic and the other one grows 10% traffic and 10% conversion rate uh, over 12 months? And when you do the math, it, it kind of works like compound interest with investment, meaning that the business that also did conversion rate and traffic is three times bigger after just 12 months. And, and the year two would be even crazier. It would be like nine times or something. That shows that you can... What's really good as well is you don't have to get more traffic, which which is really nice. Mm -hmm. When you guys work on, when you guys take on new clients, what are the most common mistakes you see most affiliate sites owner makes when it comes to doing CRO or just optimizing their conversions in general? 
I think what we see most common is that people use the same table plugins. Now, I don't know why this happened or when this happened, but I think people don't learn HTML and CSS from a young age anymore. They're looking for like quick solutions. So everyone uses the same comparison tables, the same table press, AAWP, all these same plugins when it's very, very easy to code tables by hand. It's very, very simple. And the thing is, um, we didn't test this on yours because most of the tables that we tested perform the same. But on a lot of sites, some tables convert way better on some pages and a totally different table layout converts better on other pages. It depends like for the for the more broader range, you know, top 10 type sites that just are not in the same industry. There's a bunch of different pages for for speakers, for TVs, and it's nothing's really related. Different tables respond differently because you're ranking for different keywords. And we see massive gains by split testing different table layouts on different pages. But this isn't possible. Really. I mean, it is possible with plugins, but it's very hard with plugins. Whereas if you just hand code and custom code the tables, it's very, very easy. So that's probably the biggest mistake we see is... Also, people coming to us saying, hey, Kurt, I don't want to buy the you know the monthly retainer package. I just want you to tell us the best converting layout and we'll roll it out site-wide. And I mean, that is good if the if the site isn't converting well already. But where you are leaving more money on the table, and we should do this on, on Health Ambition too, is we should now go through that we've got a good performing table and split test against that table again, which we already did. We, we split tested against another table, but we should split test different tables on different pages and we'll see some even even higher wins after after the ones we've already got. Yeah, there's kind of like the 80-20 and then there's the refinement. When you're high level exactly. already, you, even the refinement can bring decent levels of revenue. And one question I had as well, which uh, is uh, when people talk about Amazon affiliates especially, essentially the saying is just get people to click through Amazon. Just just get them to click, right? Is that true? Is there always there cases where just doing more pre-selling and because of that, losing some CTR gets you more money? Like, Has that ever happened to you? I think it happened on two of your pages where we had a reduction in click-through rate, but an increase in revenue. Now, the reason for this is when you've got a button saying click here for price and you don't have any price showing, and maybe you've only got a table with, let's say, five products, the name and the ranking, the user has to then jump over to Amazon and get the info they need to make a purchasing decision. Whereas if you can set up your tables with the info they need to buy, you want to already have the user ready to buy when they click over to Amazon. That's the hugest part because if they're jumping over to Amazon to see if they should buy the product, you lose them. You get them out of your funnel once they're on Amazon. But if they've already committed to buy before they jump over, that's huge. And quite often we see a 10, 5, 10 or the, the same click-through rate, but then a 30, 50, 60% increase in revenue because of this. So, Yeah, that was my question. Do you guys just work on Amazon, by the way? No, no, no. We work on, uh, I mean, initially for the first sort of 12 months, we we were primarily good at Amazon. So that's what we focused on. We sort of branched out to do e-commerce. It wasn't really, we weren't getting as huge results as affiliate and lead gen. Now we're just doubling down on affiliate and lead gen because uh, we have really good systems for that. But even uh, non-Amazon programs and, and lead gen type sites, we yeah, we work with everything. And we even sometimes test different affiliate offers off Amazon share a sale and and a couple of other mm. platforms too to see if it to see if they convert better and if they have a better payout and so on and we actually work with a, quite a few partners now that own the products so if if we find a client that comes through that's in the skincare niche I've got a, a good friend of mine owns owns a skincare product so then I'll partner them and he pays three or four times more affiliate payout so that's just a win-win so things like that and I think over time as we start to grow more and more that'll happen more and more I'll actually create these relationships with the vendors and then 
we'll be able to cut Amazon out, which at the end of the day, everyone wants to do because they, they have everyone by the ball. So, Well, let's, uh, let's see if Amazon is listening to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of my questions and one of the main reasons I was asking if you're only working with Amazon is it just feels like Amazon is a different beast. I was wondering if there's rules that apply to Amazon that don't apply to other programs and vice versa. Yeah, so of course, there's certain TOS things you have to follow. One of the, a really quick win is, and we found out pretty quickly in the early days, is to change your call to action button to something incentivized, right? So click here for lowest price or click here for best price and so on. But obviously, that's against terms of service. So luckily, we didn't get any clients banned. But in the early days, we didn't, we weren't aware of that, you know. I actually rang Amazon three times. I actually rang Amazon three times to double check, and they said, "Yeah, it's absolutely fine as long as you don't show the show the Amazon logo." But then they got those infringement notices, and so we had to change it pretty quickly. So now we don't do that on any any sites. But it was it was pretty fucked up because we called, you know, we called Amazon just to check, and but they're so dis- disjointed at that place, it's um it's hard to get a straight answer. So that was that was a quick win that we saw saw straight out of the gate normally, but. Yeah, I mean, this is typical Amazon. They're like half of uh, our Hacker Pro debates are like, oh, but Amazon, the Amazon rep said that. And someone else is like, oh, but the other rep told me that. And just it's really impossible to follow the rules. Usually my advice to people is just follow what's written in the terms of service. It's, they usually can't really go against that. Another thing that I've found that works well for our affiliate sites is putting exit pop-ups with the product call to action. So, you know, most people use pop-ups to capture emails. But one thing that works really well on our site is actually to remind people of the offer when the mouse gets out of the of the browser, and that gets us way more click through rates to the offer. And the value per click is is often over a dollar or two, depending on the offer. Have you guys tried that? That's one of the things that's sort of, sort of like borderline TOS infringement. So we don't we don't I'm, like. I'm talking the, outside of Amazon, outside of Amazon, other. Oh offers. right, right, right. Yeah, sure, sure, absolutely. We've done that on a few with um with exit pops, but. They're sort of like the low-hanging fruit. There's things we do straight out of the gate that always work, but you never know in what combination. And that's really important why you have to split test because something might work really, really well and you might have a 100% increase on one page, but then on another page, you have a reduction because it's a completely different buyer demographics, completely different product, so on. So we have a list of say 10 to 15 features that we run on every site and it's about working out what combination of those features work well on each page. So you have to split test at all. It's not like one working model that works exactly the same on every page, unless you have a very close niche where, you're, where your products are all super similar. Okay, you, you're going to hate my next question then, because my next question is, can you give us three to five things for the average Amazon site owner that they can try to do on their website that usually increases conversions? Yeah, so the one I just talked about before, so another example is LCD screens. So if you rank for LCD screens and uh, LCD monitors, sorry, and there's very clear different buyer demographics within LCD monitors. There's one demographic that's a gamer. Now, gamers are going to want fast refresh time of the refresh rate on the screen. Graphic designers, they will want RGB correctness. They'll want Color high accuracy. resolution, color accuracy, and so on. And then, you know, there's people economical and so on. So that's a really quick win. Just research your products that you're reviewing. Like, get inside the head of the buyer demographics, and uh, that's a really easy way. And then show two or three benefits or features that allow the users to make a buying decision on that table. So that's huge because they're going to commit to buy or they've already made it up in their mind they're going to buy before they get to Amazon. And that's really, really important. So that's what we try to do all the time, um, just like we did on, on Health Ambition. And then number three, make sure that 
you are split testing, and it's, of course you need traffic for this, but split testing only to mobile users too is really interesting because you can have responsive websites, but no one, and I'm talking no one, optimizes conversions for mobile. And you got to see how you sort of use the mount, uh, use the um, you interact with your phone. Your thumb's only got a certain amount of dexterity. You can't have stuff right at the top of the the screen. We just had a client where his call to action button to jump over to buy the product was at the above the product so when the user looked at the image and read the benefits and features they couldn't actually reach the button so we changed that to the bottom and conversions thanked us for that so there's a, another great example run tests just at mobile just at mobile users which um, i sort of go into in, in a very basic detail in the uh, in the post i wrote for you but it's very easy to do it's quick just a quick google depending on what type of uh, what type of software you're using but yeah, yeah. It was one of the games right? on Health Ambition. We had we had these like good looking tables where the call to action was kind of like at the bottom left, kind of a weird position. And when yeah. you guys took the tables, you just like made it big on the right, you know? It was just literally half the table was just a call to action. And instantly, mm-hmm. I think clicks rate went up 13% when you guys did that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so so, so it's a combination of all these things. So you're not going to get, we don't change a button to green and get a 30% in, increase. It's about understanding the users and why they've come to your page and what they're looking for, that's how you get the big increases. And that's something that just comes with a bit of experience. But don't just try to put together your pages quickly and, and SEO them, which is what everyone does. You know, Everyone just gets a page up and then starts to rank it and then the money starts coming in and they go sit on a beach and drink coconuts and stuff, you know? So well, not well, that's not a bad life. Like I've, I've, seen, <laughs> I've seen worse things happen to people. <laughs> Would you say that in terms of all those things, like, wouldn't it be, make more sense to first do what we just talked about and then after that get to CRO rather than like, it's like it's almost like you kind of want to see what ranks and then just work on it if each page is different? Yeah, I mean, it's the issue. And I mean, there's been no one that's given out any CRO information for affiliate sites until we did. So there was basic stuff, sure, but there was no split tested stuff. So there was like sort of yeah. basic common sense stuff, but we're actually using real data for this information that I'm sharing with you guys. This is actually, you know, we've run... I said at the conference 1,300 split tests, but we're actually up near 2,000 now that I just had a look. So we've got like a shitload of data across a shitload of niches. And these are all, you know, the 80-20 sort of wins. If you don't have, the probably the biggest win you can have is if you don't have comparison tables and you review more than two products on a page, just add them in. Like people want a quick comparison where they can just glance over. They don't want to have to read like your 3,000 word article on the product. I mean, it's there mainly for SEO. Some people will read it that are really not quite on that sort of buying decision. But most people, if they're typing in best smartwatches 2018, they're already looking for a product to buy and you just want to give them a quick solution for that. Cool. Can you just tell us the story of like one of the craziest gains you got from a campaign? Like, you know, how much the conversion rate jumped by by optimizing a page? Because it's good to get an idea of like how far this can go, you know? Yeah, it was really cool. And this sort of gave us momentum when we first started CRO Guy because I think it was our third or fourth client. It was in the first month that I started offering it as a service. And he came to us, he had around 750,000 uniques a month and he was a fantastic SEO. Like he was ranking number one, some of the biggest money keywords in SEO. But the website, he didn't even have call to actions. He didn't have benefits or features. He just had a product image, the product name, and the rating out of 10. So that doesn't really allow the users to to make a, a purchasing decision at all. So we went through, we split tested a couple of variations and added call to actions, made it super mobile responsive. Now, when we started with that client, his website was worth approximately 1.2 mil. That's what he got it valued at. Now, in June, I think it was, he sold his site for $4.2 million. So that sort of wow. 
this is a non-normal case. So I'm not going to go out and say this happens for yeah. everyone, but due to the revenue climbing by so much, it was just really appealing to the to the buyers because it was almost like super vertical increase in revenue. They love that as a buyer. They were just like, this is awesome. Whatever you're doing is working. So I should have charged them a lot more, but it provided <laughs> us it provided us with a lot of good case studies anyway. We've got two posts early on last year, two posts on our blog about it. But that was probably the craziest story of a you know, client that came in, had very bad SEO, I mean, very bad CRO. We went in and we built a lot of systems around it. It was really good because he had so much traffic. We could run a test every week. So it just allowed us to compound those gains, cut off the loss, uh, kill off the losers, and then just test again. Uh, and then, yeah, he fucking, now he's retired. So all good. Yeah. Okay. Imagine. One thing I have to ask as well is it feels like there's a lot of like quick, easy wins when you pick up a new site. But once you have achieved these quick, easy wins, do you find it harder to actually maintain the, the gains over time? Or like, does it get harder, basically? I have a feeling it probably would, right? Because you're testing against a page that's already better in conversion. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it does. So we, we, can, we pretty much know what to do in the first, say, two to three months. After that, we get to understand the character of the website. We under, get to understand the personality of the buyers. And our team starts to... I don't know. Once you've been working with a site for a while, every site's different. You start to know intuitively what the next test will be. But the main thing, our, most clients stay with us between four and six months. But we do have clients that have been with us a year and two months, a year and three months. We've got three or four of them, but they're absolute beasts. So for them, it makes yeah. sense to stay on because they're, you know, a 5% increase will mean an extra 10 grand a month or extra five grand a month. So for them, it makes absolute sense. So. So yeah, it, it depends on the size of the site, really, if they stay on. Most affiliate sites making between 10 and 20K a month will stay with us between four to six months before we max out the the max out mm-hmm. the sort of quick wins, yeah. Cool. I have another question as well. Like, I guess like when you A-B testing, it doesn't always work, right? You make this hypothesis of like, oh, I think this is going to work. But sometimes it doesn't. I mean, I know I've done plenty of tests that didn't work out. So I know a lot about that. So what percentage of tests would you say get gains and what percentage don't? Yeah, we have that exact number because we have a custom dashboard that reports it all to us. So ours is about an 82% win rate. But that's mainly because a lot of a lot of sites come to us and most of them, because we've grown in the last three to four months so much, they're, they're in that still in that three to four month stage. Mm. But yeah, like let's just say out of 10 pages that we test on a client's website, two or three are losers, but it's about uh, rolling out the winners and killing off the losers and then testing the losers again and then coming up with a hypothesis. So Eventually, you'll get a win on them. It's just two or three times and you 100% get a win. But it just takes patience. And, and you know, some clients do get irated us a little bit when we can't get a win straight out of the gate. But, I mean, this is the nature of CRO. You can't have 100% success rate every time, you know. So Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's what we did. Basically, there was some losers on health ambition. There were some winners. Then we picked the layout of the winners and rolled it out on the, the highest earning pages, basically, which uh, one of our staff has been doing in the past few days, actually. And eventually, uh, eventually it works out. Another thing I want to ask you as well, because you get to probably test like interesting things and you're like, well, that, you know, your client is asking you something like that. I don't, I don't think that's going to work. And eventually it ends up working. So do you have an example of something that you're like, I don't think this is working. And then you try it and it works. And what was it? Uh, well, especially early on, I was CEO. I was, you know, the big ego and I was like making all the, all the calls. But I'm actually... Like my team are so awesome now that they've been with us a year and a half. I just give it to them now because I get it wrong so often. I'll look at something where I'll be like, hey, hey guys, we should run this out on this test. And they're like, nah, let's 
test this. One of the uh, the craziest was probably using sticky footers on a lead gen website. So having a click to call that's always visible, especially on mobile, that was huge for, for I didn't realize how huge. But yeah, we, we get surprised all the time. I can't pick out you know, one thing. What does surprise me is sometimes we'll run our tables that I just talked about earlier with the different buyer demographics and it will perform less than a shitty table press. Not very common that happens. But sometimes, for instance, we're working on a site in the military niche um, and I think military guys just like plain text and they just like numbers and they're just very like black and, black and white because as soon as we split tested images and call to action buttons, um, the the sales tanked. But again, that's very rare that, that happens. What I, what I said earlier was more the 80-20, you know, most of the time those tables do work better, but it does, <laughs> you know, it does surprise me sometimes when there's even, you might test 10 pages and most of them will be 30 to 40% increase. And then one, for some reason, will be minus 10. And you're just like, why? But you just have to, you just have to disconnect emotionally from it and just rely on the data, which is what I love. Well, but that's the thing. It's like, that's why the advice you're like, oh, most of the time this works, but that's why you still want to test because these kind of things of happen. And, we always uh, test clients' websites now, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you can take a lot of the quick wins, but eventually if you want a maximum result, you're going to have to test things. So you've been working with a lot of affiliate sites lately, and you used to like run some affiliate sites yourself before you did that. and But now you're seeing all these guys like you know selling their sites for millions of dollars, etc. Like, Has your vision of like affiliate marketing with SEO changed? If so, in what way? And if you had to start again, what would you do now if you were like, fuck this, I'm starting to be a website again? I think in the last few years, I've spent a lot of time understanding my personality type and understanding what makes me tick. And the reason that I think I've gone so quickly into CRO is because my personality type is black and white. I started to grow a resentment for SEO because it's not as predictable anymore. It's not as you add this and it happens, which it used to be in 2012. So for me, I would have, if I was to start again, I would get into CRO a lot earlier because my personality type, I'm super extrovert. I love socializing. I love networking. It's really increased my life quality by 10x because of this now. So that was probably the biggest thing for me in the last few years, just understanding why I was getting fed up with with SEO because there's still a lot of guys killing it and loving it. Like you guys are still loving it and, and doing really well. But for me, I couldn't plan long enough ahead. You know, I hated having say Google at the control of my revenue and my income. So yeah, we diversify with Facebook ads these days as well. Uh, so it's kind of nice. Yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. One thing I wanted to, to go deeper on is more like how would it change the type of sites you build based on all the, the sites you've worked on? What would you do differently that you used to do back then seeing all, all these successful sites basically? Well, it's about data, right? So we have data on what works. Let's just say if I go into, if I start ranking a, a technology site and we're reviewing LCD monitors, we have clients that we've worked with in that niche now. So I know exactly, I'd look through our, our successful test log and I'd go, okay, let's roll that one out worked most of the time. So let's roll that one out and we'll test it later when we have traffic. So we have this massive pool of data now where we know exactly, we've worked one, two, three, four, five clients that rank for the same keyword because they don't compromise each other. It's not like if we work, it's not like if, if you run an SEO agency and you work for number one and number two and number three, they're all fighting for each other. Whereas with a CRO, it's, um, it's much different. So we've got, you know, a large pool of data on all these niches. And I know exactly what niches I'd go into because I know the exact revenue numbers that they make yeah. too. So that's really cool. Don't do it, okay? Because people know how you. <laughs> no, of but, course not. Of course not. I love this no, shit though. I so I'd never. 
I say it's true. Like you learn a lot by doing the agency work. We had an agency for four years. It taught me a lot about like the niches that work, that don't work, etc. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really cool experience. Now, one thing that people are a bit concerned about when they talk about CRO is the tools, mm-hmm. right? I know you use Visual Website mm-hmm. Optimizer. Why did you pick that over things like Google Optimize or Optimizely? We get a lot of emails and calls booked in from people trying to get us to use their software, to use their split testing software. I actually had a call yesterday with a guy and nothing is as robust in our opinion as VWO. The issue is with most guys starting out, it's really expensive. But there's a reason it's yeah. expensive because it's, it's in our opinion the best. I mean, if you have one or two sites, maybe not, but we, we're we consecutively running, I think I counted yesterday, like 500 tests at once or something. Like it's a huge amount. And we have a, a custom dashboard to look at all our, like a stock chart. So we can see all our winners, all our losers in one easy dashboard. And that's only really able to be done with VWO in the, in the current setup that we have. We have a you know we have a dedicated account manager. Anything that goes wrong, he's right there. And but again, we we pay I don't know sixty or seventy grand a year I think for VWO. So it's it's quite expensive when you get to that agency level. But it's all about ROI. So for us, we've tried all the others. I actually haven't gone and played around too much with Google Optimize because it's clunky as hell. And Optimize, I actually started with Optimize, but my head of operations just really love VWO and I see the resistance for VWO because they only really want to work with agencies. So they, you have to get on a call with them. You have to custom. Yeah, it is really annoying. But if you're at the agency level and you're running 50 client sites at a time, then it becomes really important. So So if I say, if I have have a site say making 30 grand a month, can I sign up? Yeah, of course. Yeah. You can get a package. You can probably get a package for a grand a month. For that okay but i mean yeah. enterprise level seo software is like the same price we, we paid for like uh on-page seo tools like you know mid three figures as well etc per month and so on yeah. it's not that far off actually it's just like it's not something for people making a thousand bucks a month basically yeah exactly um, it's the it is the spine of our company it's the absolute backbone so in order for our whole company to run we need a software that doesn't glitch out and to be honest We've been using VWO for a year and a half now, and we have not had one problem, not a That's single problem cool. in a year and a half because they're there right there when we have an issue. Anytime we want to custom integrate API stuff, they'll actually change the systems in-house to be able to like fulfill us because we're a big playing client, you know, so they're really, they're really dedicated to, um, to helping us with that. So yeah, Is it easy to use and to learn? The issue with, and I talk about it in the post, that's just been released but there are little quirks so setting up the three-page split test is very important with an amazon site if you don't do that all your tests will come back wrong and i reckon that's why 99 percent of people will do a test it'll look like a winner they'll roll it out and the revenue won't go up so they give up i've talked pretty much everyone i've talked to in affiliate that is the reason why they didn't have Mm. success because vwo and and all the split testing software can't trigger on every client so you have to be able to segment the different users that are blocking JavaScript. Yeah, so basically what it does, yeah, it's quite interesting. Let me explain to the audience. Basically what it does is like the um, A-B testing softwares, they don't trigger on site, don't use JavaScript that block it, and slow internet, and what else? What was the other one? I think there's another one. If cookies are disabled, there's a bunch of other click. Yeah. Like if you use if you use Epic Browser, which blocks everything, and, and yeah, there's yeah. a couple of other sort of incognito like that, so all these browsers get sent not to the variation you're testing, but they also get sent to the original page, like the one that is just the, the core pages that you're testing initially. But what that does is it sends traffic that is unlikely to convert. Like if people have really slow internet, it's unlikely to convert. If people uh, have disabled JavaScript, etc., they're probably like testing something on your site or your competitors, whatever it is. 
And so for that reason, your original is going to get lower conversion rate because you get all these people that don't convert in one side of the test. And so you'll probably get more like your variation boosted and it's going to tell you that like that you're doing better than you do that you do with your variation. Um, so well, the way you, yeah. The, the issue too is that the original, because it's not being logged in VWO, let's just say you have a thousand views that are logged in VWO and you have a thousand views that are logged in the variation B. So you have the original a thousand, the variation B a thousand. But a hundred haven't even been logged in the back end. So a hundred more people have come through the original. The conversion rate is obviously going to be 10% higher or, or not necessarily 10% higher, but it just completely voids the data. And this is what 99% of people, this is how they split test. Why wouldn't they split test like that? That's how the tools set I up. mean, that's how it's made to do it. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. It's really bad, it's uh, it's bad user interface. Yeah. Yeah. So the way you do it, basically, to explain to people is you kind of always have to send a percentage of traffic to original, usually 10%. So you set the minimum to that when you do that. And then what you do is you create a variation that's an exact copy of the original and you give it 45% traffic. And then you make the variation that you want to test, like the thing you want to test, let's say a new product table, and you give it 45% of traffic. And you're just comparing this, for, this variation with 45% of traffic with the new table at 45% of traffic. So they get the same traffic. And because they both essentially exclude all these people that don't run JavaScript, that have so internet, etc. the data is more leveled and it's comparable. And then you can tell if your test is winning. So, and, and do all the A-B testing tools do that? Yeah, because they, uh, they all use JavaScript to, to switch out the items or to, to segment the list. So yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't tested every single one of them, but the, the top three, the VWO, Google Optimize and Optimize. Yeah, exactly. So Okay, that's interesting. That's good to know. So that is in the blog post. So go check the blog if you want to get more info on that. It's quite interesting, especially if you're going to run some A-B testing on your own. Another question people have is, do these tools hurt SEO? Because essentially, isn't that cloaking, right? You're showing a different version of your pages some, to some people and to Google. So isn't that essentially showing different content? So, it's, I mean, Google types, I mean, Google um, on their blog actually has a, a write-up about it, how when it's asynchronously loaded with javascript it's completely fine if you start manipulating it that's why we run 10 percent through the original still because obviously you could just have a page ranking and it's it's got just text and then a variation b you could be sending 100 percent of the traffic to post load and google can't see it that's why we send 10 percent through because we don't want google to think we're trying to manipulate the uh the traffic but that's why we send a small amount through but we've run like i said like up near 2000 tests now and it's absolutely fine. Even running split URL tests. So where you have one version of a page, you duplicate it, change the URL a little bit, and then you add, and this is really important, you add a canonical tag pointing back to the original page. And obviously you have to do this with the three page setup, but I won't go into too much detail now on that. But as long as you point the canonical tag back to the original page, Google doesn't give any weight to that duplicated page because it's pointing back it just sees it like a category page or a tag page it doesn't actually give it any weight it does index it which does freak clients out sometimes but it doesn't actually have any negative effect on the uh on the rankings but in the tutorial just so people don't get confused i just showed how to do an a b test so it doesn't get into too much detail yeah yeah I, that, that is the way i used to do it actually i used to just use like thrive architect and just make two pages canonical and use the google content experiment in google analytics to just run against my goals and, and do that. I think I have a tutorial on YouTube, like a really old one, but it still mm -hmm. works actually if people want to do that. But again, in order for it to be accurate, you have to duplicate it two times, but they yeah. all point back to the original and then you segment that traffic 10%, 45, 45. So. 
Cool. Um, how time consuming is it to run like CR, the CRO process for your site? Let's say, let's say someone decides to do it themselves. Like, um, mm -hmm. like how much time do they, should they budget per week to run this? The actual only time is the setup. So I think people try to overcomplicate the test because I mean, that's just what we like to do. We're all, we all think we're the smartest person in the world, but to be honest, most of the time, it's just a small change and all you're doing is being patient and waiting for a conclusion. And that's the hardest part for most people. Sometimes you might need to wait three weeks to even get anywhere near data, even sometimes six weeks if you've got under a thousand traffic to a page. So, you know, you've got to make sure that you document what the test is before you start it. VW actually has this feature very importantly. I think a lot of people actually skip over it, but it's really important because in six weeks, a lot can change. So in six weeks, you might forget why you actually ran that test and what the actual hypothesis was. So it's very important you document that because the actual setup only takes an hour or two. And then it's just letting the test run across, you know, across the enough sample data. So Cool. Do you want to explain to people how many visits they need to actually get a conclusive test? So, and this is very ballpark figures because it depends on the test. But essentially, if you've got a 5% increase in conversions on your variation, you're going to need around four to 5,000 views. If you've got a 50% increase on your variation, so your, your page you're split testing has a 50% increase in revenue, then you only need 1,500, 2,000 maybe. So the higher the increase, the less statistical significance you need because it's such a difference in increases, it can call it pretty early. But the closer, so if it's 10% or under, let's say, you're going to need a lot, lot more data. And sometimes even up to 10,000 because it, it's, there's so many little anomalies that come in when it's so close like that. It might swing at 1% or 2% and then it just can't call a conclusion. Generally, we don't call conclusions under 5%. It just takes too long. So then if it, you know, if it gets to two or 3,000 views and it's only 5% increase, we'll just go back to the drawing board and start again. Cool. Anything that we didn't talk about in this interview that we should have talked about? I think we covered most of the um, most of the points, but if you've got above, even above, like we use above a five thousand per page in our agency because we have clients on a monthly retainer. So in order for us to get them yeah, results yeah. within a three to four week period, we need to keep showing them results. Whereas if you're running split tests, as long as you've got over a thousand views on a page, like it might take six weeks or seven weeks, but you can still run split tests on on that sort of on those sort of numbers. So. Yeah, that's true. It's like if you're, if you're in on your own at a low level, then you can still get results, just it will take more time. And it's really, really important. If you're looking to sell, and this is the market we're moving into now, if you're looking to sell in the next 12 to 18 months, you have to be split testing if you haven't yet. You're leaving so much money on the table because you're getting a 25 to 30 monthly profit multiple for that sale. So if you can, create, if you can increase, let's just say you've got a site that's making 10K a month, and that's worth, you know, let's say 250,000 on the downside and you increase conversions by 30%. I mean, you're making an extra 80 to 100 grand out of absolute thin air. So if, you, yeah, if you're looking to sell in the, next, in the next 12 to 18 months, just read my post. We show exactly how we do it in-house. I've, I've literally given every single thing you need to get out there and start split testing today in that post. So. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. So you actually can all go check it out on the Atari Hacker blog. Thank you, Kurt, for coming. Thank you for listening, everyone. You can find all the shows for this podcast, which are going to be separate from the blog post on atarihacker.com slash Kurt dash Convertica. We will also link to a blog post from there. Thank you for coming, Kurt. 
If you guys enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you want and all drop a review. It kind of helps us reach more people. So thanks again, Kurt, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.